Hey everyone, me again, and welcome to the next installment in our exciting series through the book of Acts. We're just going through Acts one chapter at a time, one story at a time, and just soaking up the atmosphere of the New Testament church, the early church, our spiritual ancestors, if you like. And uh, we're in Acts chapter 4, verse 23. You can turn there if you have your Bible. And I love what a preacher called Mark Driscoll said. He said that as we look at the book of Acts, we shouldn't just look back at it nostalgically, kind of like, ooh, isn't it nice the way that these things were, or the way things used to be in the early church? As we look at the book of Acts, we're not just leaning back with nostalgia, but as we look at the book of Acts, we're actually leaning forward and saying, God, what does our future look like as a church wanting to reach a city just like this church in the book of Acts reached their city? God, we want to reach our city and our generation, and so we want to become more like the church in the book of Acts, and so God, this is what our future looks like. Help us to get there. So that's the atmosphere of what we're doing and what we're about, and this is incredibly timely at multiple levels, not least because as a church, one tribe, and whether you're part of our spiritual family or not, or just um, logging in online with us, you are super welcome, whether you're a believer or not yet believer. But uh, what we're going to be doing over the next seven days as a church from May the 10th to May the 16th is we're going to be going, uh, we're going to be entering a week of prayer. And uh, this is a passage all about prayer and one tribe. This is about reaching our city through prayer. And maybe you uh, wouldn't call yourself a Christ follower and you're not even sure what prayer is. This uh, passage will help incredibly with that. Maybe you're a young believer, maybe you're a mature believer, but you like to grow in prayer. Man, I would love to grow in prayer. And we're going to listen in as the early church has one of their prayer meetings. We're going to hear who they prayed to, and we're going to see who they prayed with, and we're going to hear what they prayed. I'm so excited. I'm going to read the story, and then I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to dive straight in. Acts 4 verse 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people. So they were arrested for telling people about Jesus, that he'd risen from the dead. And after being arrested and spending a night in jail, they've been released with threats. You can uh, 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 hear about that in sermons from the last few weeks. Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders who'd arrested them had said to them. When they, the church, heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. And now we get to listen to the longest recorded Christian prayer in the whole of the New Testament. And it goes like this. They, they said, Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father, David. Then they went on to quote from Psalm chapter 2, which says, Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod 
and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, how's this? The place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. God, I pray for your help as we study together and I speak. I pray for your help as we all, myself included, sit under your word. That God, you would teach us how to pray as individuals, as a spiritual family. Grow us in this holy art of wrestling prayer. And we pray this in the name of your son. And everyone said, Amen. All right. Well, we're just going to go through that story one more time, a little bit more slowly. We're going to catch, uh, I, I think, some really cool stuff in there. But two things I want you to look out, out for is who they prayed to and what they prayed. Those are the two main questions we want to answer as we journey through these verses. Acts 4 verse 23 says, On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. And so these people are about to go into a prayer meeting. They're about to go into prayer time, just like we're about to go into a prayer week. And this is going to equip us for that prayer week. We're going to be praying through um, the same devotions together. We want to invite you onto that journey. We're going to get that devotion into your hands via WhatsApp and via email. Please look out, look out for it. Please engage with it because like these guys, we want to be able to pray together, which means to pray with one heart, with one mind, with one passion. And God loves to hear prayers from his people when we're praying with one mind. We're going to gather together on Wednesday evening in Zoom and we're going to pray together with one mind and with one passion, with one heart. And on uh, Sunday the 16th, even before our main meeting starts at 10 o'clock, we want to invite you, and on behalf of the elders and our wives, I want to invite you to join us for prayer at 9.15 when we're going to raise our voices to God together just like they did because, because this was a pivotal time in the journey of that church. And this is a pivotal time as a, a kind of like Peter and John were released from prison. They'd been caught up. They, they couldn't do all they wanted to do, but they were going into a new season of spiritual activity and and and. and, and 
spiritual battle and we've just coming out of lockdown 2.0 if you like and we're going into a new season trusting God to use us in the reaching of our city and there's nothing better that these saints could have done than called out to the living God and friends there's nothing better that we can do at this juncture where we're at than to call out to God together. Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together with their own people in prayer to God. And, and I just, just want to touch briefly on noting who they prayed with. They had people to pray with. And I want to ask you this question, who do you pray with? Now, on the one hand, it's good for us to get into a habit of being able to pray together, to pray alone in what Jesus called our prayer closet. And I'm not knocking that at all, but but that, that isn't to exclude us being able to, 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 to gather and taking what opportunities we can to pray with people around us. Who do you pray with? I, I, I love praying with, with my life group, Tash and I in our life group and actually a couple of weeks back, someone in the life group just posted, hey, we're going through a tough time and our life group leaders, Tash and I are in the life group, we don't lead it, but our life group leaders just wisely said, you know, we're going to dedicate the whole of this coming up life group evening to praying for one another. And man, it was a precious time. It was an encouraging time. We love praying with our life group. Um, about once a week, I get to pray with um, our elders. And uh, one tribe is an elder-led church. We're led by a group of five elders and have a couple of other men sitting in with the elders. And about once a week on Friday morning, before we go to work, we, we, we love to, to gather in person or gather on Zoom. And, and, and we pray. We pray for the church. We pray for one another. Again, about once a week, I have the opportunity to pray with our power staff team. In our staff meeting, one of the things that we prioritize is, is, is praying together. Who do you pray with? Do you pray with your spouse if you're married? If you have kids, are you praying with your kids? Who do you pray with? Who should you be praying with? In our man. What I, what I really want to see isn't just who they prayed with, that's important, but I want us to see who they prayed to. I lifted their voices in one accord, and it's kind of like the first words out of their mouths were, Sovereign Lord, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that's in them. Now, if you're anything like me, the way my brain works, I think, okay, you're praying to God and uh, God is listening and he hears us praying, sovereign Lord, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that's in them. I kind of think picture God in heaven going, um, yeah, I know. I know that I made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that's in them. Why do you want to tell me about that when you're praying? But you see, when we start off by saying, by, by praying things like our Father in heaven or sovereign Lord, it's not so much about reminding God who he, is, he hasn't forgotten, but it's about reminding ourselves who we're praying to. It's one of the best tips I've received in growing in prayer is to start off by reminding ourselves who are we praying to? Phil Moore says in his commentary on the book of Acts, when you don't know what to pray, this is your answer. Go to the names and promises of God in scripture and pray them back to him. And so they prayed, sovereign Lord. That's a great word. It's the Greek word, 
despotes. And that Greek word, we get from it our English word despot, which, which speaks of one in some ways of, of unchallengeable power. That's a great thing to remind yourself of. Jesus said, when you pray, pray our Father in heaven at the command center of the universe. Someone translated it, pray dad without limits. And at the start of their prayers, these, these Christians wisely grabbed even just one attribute of God. I think they could have chosen his love. They could have chosen his wisdom. They could have grow, chosen his grace. They could have chosen his faithfulness, but they, they, they wanted to lay hold of him in prayer. And one of the ways we do that is by reminding ourselves who he is by picking a name of God and reminding ourselves and then praying it back to him. You are the sovereign Lord. You are the despotes. You are the one with unchallengeable power. It's a great place to start our praying. This is who he is. And man, when you're just being threatened by the chief priests and the elders, that is a great place to start your praying. Do you need provision? Well, start by reminding yourself that he is Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides, the God who was more than enough. He's the one who, like Abraham, was willing to offer up his son Isaac. He's the one who gave up his son. How will he not with him along, along with him graciously give us all things? Maybe you need healing. Remember that he is the God who heals us. He is Jehovah Rapha. We can hold on to who God is. And then they say, this one of the sovereign Lord, what does it mean? And then they just start to kind of expound on that. And if I was in the meeting, I I, I imagine myself in the meeting, I can imagine someone saying sovereign Lord, and then someone else saying, God, you're the one who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that's in it. And then someone else from across the room says, God, you are the one who spoke through the Holy Spirit. And there's someone else from the back saying, God, you are the one, you're the one who decided these things beforehand and there's this energy in the prayers that remind themselves God you're the one who made the heavens and the earth that's why he's sovereign over everything because he made everything maybe some of you are still sitting there and wondering man I, I'm, you say all this I'm not even sure there is a God well according to the Bible which we believe is true as Christ followers Everything was made by the God of the Bible. And one of the arguments for that, or the reasons we think that, is it's something called the, the, the intelligent design argument. And it goes something like this, or let me illustrate it this way. There are, um, you know, spaceships and um, uh, satellites and things going all over space now and investigating Mars and things like that, exciting, discovering things. And, and if, 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 if you heard on the news tonight, on the Kenya TV or CNN or whatever it is, if you heard that one of the space probes found a wristwatch on Mars, what would your conclusion be? I don't think you would believe it if someone said, well, actually, um, what we think is that these elements on Mars kind of randomly came together over the process of millions of years. And actually before that watch, there'd been a, like kind of a less developed watch and now, but anyway, now we have this watch and it all came about as a, as a combination of randomness 
and chance and time. That's how this 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 watch came about. If if I tried to sell that story to you, you'd think that this 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 preacher's been smoking some pretty strong stuff. Well. Uh, Wayne Grudem in his book, Systematic Theology, he says, well, look at a wristwatch and how complex it is and how hard it is to believe that this could have come about by anything apart from an intelligent mind, an intelligent personality creating it. And then Wayne Grudem says, okay, look at, look at a wristwatch. Now, now look at your hand. Which is more complex? Which is more difficult to create? The human hand? or a wristwatch. And I want to tell you, and those of you who don't know me, I'm, I'm a, a medical doctor by training. When I look at the human body, I can't conceive of it possibly have coming about through a post-process of randomness and chance and time. I just don't have enough faith to believe that. I don't have enough faith, someone said, to be an atheist. God made the heaven and earth and see everything that's in them. You made, can you see how God sent the center their prayer, prayer is? And they say, God, you spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. You said, why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Now, this is a reference to Psalm 2, as I said earlier. And in Psalm 2, it's saying, why do the peoples of the earth, why do they gather that these different nations, they come against Israel's king. They come against the Lord and against his anointed one. And, and uh, 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 this, this, this is a picture of, of, of the nations of the earth. And if it was today, it would be kind of the superpowers, maybe China and, 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 and India and Russia and the, and the US. They're conspiring against God. And in the Psalm 2, the Psalm 2 is so funny, it goes on to say, when God sees the kings and the nations of this world conspiring against him, the Bible says, the king of heaven laughs. He does. He really does. Because, because when you have heaven's perspective on things, that's one of the things prayer does, is it gives us God's perspective, heaven's perspective on reality, which is actually the truest perspective of reality. And when he, when the Bible sees the nations and presidents and kings and authorities and Herod and Pontius Pilate conspiring against the Lord and against his anointed one, a friend of mine said, his name's Andrew Wilson, he, he said that it's kind of like if uh, there's a graphic over here, bottom, bottom of the screen, it's kind of like these sheep over here at the bottom and they all get together and they conspire and they say we're going to rise up against the, the Lord and against his anointed one. He says it's kind of like these sheep conspiring against this guy. And when you look at a T-Rex, you think no matter what, no matter what these little guys are plotting and planning, it is in vain if they think they're going to come up against this guy. Well, friends, one of the things prayer does and one of the things we're trusting God for this week is that our prayers would magnify God. I love what John Piper said. When we talk about magnifying God, it's, 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 it's not like a magnifying glass that's making an ant that is very small look a bit bigger. When we talk about magnifying God, it's like a telescope 
that is looking at the sun and the sun is massive and it looks small because it's because it's so far away but in the telescope it kind of draws us in closer and helps us to appreciate the magnitude and immensity of what we're looking at and friends that's what happens in prayer as God's people gather and pray as we turn our hearts to heaven over these coming days God becomes bigger and all of a sudden our problems become smaller and the people against you become smaller and the, the pandemic becomes smaller, no less real. But we start to see it in the light of a greater reality. Oh, I'm looking forward to praying this week. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. All we're doing is unpacking right now the kind of God that they prayed to, who's the same God that we pray to. He's the creator of heaven and earth. He is the one who speaks and he speaks through scripture. And when when we pray, we wanna be people who get heaven's perspective by hearing from God. Prayer shouldn't be a one-way conversation. I, I can't think of anything more boring. If prayer is about going into a room by ourselves and just talking and just talking, to ourselves, then that doesn't sound very exciting to me. I wouldn't be signing up for a week of that. But Eugene Peterson apparently once said that true prayer, get this, true prayer isn't just talking to God, it is responding to God. It's hearing what God says, and then we respond out of that. God, I see in scripture, scripture tells me you created the heavens and the earth. My prayer is a response out of that. In scripture, you say that when the nations plot and the, and, and the kings take their stand, it's in vain and I'm praying that back to you. So we are listening to God and we are praying it back to God. And one of the chief ways that we listen to God is through scripture. And so over this coming week, friends, we're gonna pray with our Bibles open. We're gonna find the promises of scripture. We're gonna pray them back to God saying, God, you promised this, we're praying it back to you. God, you said, this is who I am. I'm praying that back to you. God, you said, this is the call on my life. I'm praying it back to you. God, you said, this is what the church is. I'm praying it back to you. And so a mighty tool in our prayers is the word of God, the Holy Scriptures. And another way that God speaks to us that is powerful, it's not on the same level as Scripture, but man, it edifies and comforts and encourages the people of God. Is when God speaks prophetically. That, that, that means that, that God speaks to one of his children, gives them through a scripture or a picture or, or an impression, gives them a message to share with the church, to share with the body of Christ. And man, when that happens, that's one of the ways that God speaks to us. And prophecy is not on the same level as scripture. But man, it's a mighty tool as we pray together. And as we enter this prayer week, I want us to be doing it with open Bibles, but also saying, God, would you speak to us? Uh, the scriptures say in 1 Corinthians 14 that we should eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially that we would prophesy. Why? Because one of the things that happens as, as, as God's people are engaging with the prophetic is that it unlocks it, it, it unlocks the mysteries of who God is and it highlights specific uh, scriptures and purposes that God has for us. It's a beautiful thing. I want to encourage us to be asking God to release the prophetic amongst us over this week. And they say, man, these, 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 these uh, uh, kings like Herod and Pontius Pilate, they were conspiring just a few weeks ago against your holy servant, Jesus. But it was, it was all in vain. 
Because God had actually, when they, they thought we're making these big decisions, we're going to foil the plans of this person, Jesus, and his followers. But actually, they were only doing what God's hand and his will had decided beforehand <laughs> would happen. And friends, that is a great truth. And someone needs to hear this today. It's, 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 in some ways, you see a similar, a, a, a similar expression of how God works in our lives when you, you look at the story of Joseph and that thing wrong. Step three is to be forgotten by the cupbearer for two full years. Step four is wake up and have a quick shave and a change of clothes and step into what God has for you because no matter what the kings and Herods and brothers and Potiphar's wives of this world have planned for you, whatever they intend for you, the Bible says God superintends something far, far better because God has said, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. God says that you are my workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which I prepared in advance for you to do. God's purposes, God's sovereign purposes cannot be thwarted, but he has decided beforehand that his purposes come to pass as his people pray. And so friends, let's enter this week of prayer with faith that no matter where you're coming from, no matter where we are coming from, we can lay hold of God's purposes. And no matter what evil has intended for us, God superintends all things for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. Michael Eaton says, it is no wonder these people are not afraid if the terrible things that had happened in Jerusalem in the previous two months were all actually achieving God's purposes. What did they need to fear? Can you see who they were praying to? The God who created, the God who speaks through scripture and through prophecy and the God who decides beforehand and superintends all things for the good of his people and takes our prayers and uses them mightily in his purposes. And then briefly what they prayed for. Verse 29, now Lord consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. I love this. Can you see what they don't pray? They don't pray, God, this is uncomfortable. God, we're scared. God, we, we take away these, these horrible people and the horrible things they want to do to us. God, would you protect us? They just say, no, 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 no. We're going to keep our eye on the ball. We're not going to have prayer meetings primarily about our comfort, primarily about where we're at. We're going to have prayer meetings that are primarily about God and who he is and what he is doing. So God, you consider their threats because we're not going to. We're going to leave that in your court. But God, what we want you to do, please, is enable your servants to speak the word of God boldly. We are a people on a mission. You have called us to win this city and we're going to do that. God, we're going to do our part, which is we're going to speak. God, would you provide the boldness? God, would you do the miracles we heard last week or a couple of weeks ago that we're not going to do miracles by our own power or godliness as if. God, we need you to do the supernatural. We're going to do the natural. We're going to do what we can. Would you come and own it by your spirit? Oh, and the way that this ends is absolutely stunning. I love it. It's The Bible says that the building that they were meeting in shook. You want to see the circumstances around you begin to shake. You want to see the, the, the principalities and powers and the, the forces of darkness in this nation take a step back. Friends, it happens as God's people 
pray. When this building shakes, I, I just think, I, I, I'm not even sure God really intended to shake the building. That was his main thing. I, I suspect God was just adding his amen to the prayer meeting. And when the God of heaven and earth says amen, man, things start to shake. After they, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. As we go into this week of prayer, let's grab people to pray with. Yes, pray for yourself and use the personal devotions. But man, link up with your life group. Link up with people in the workplace. Link up with friends in the church. And let's pray together. And let's pray to a sovereign Lord of unchallengeable power. Let's pray to our creator. Let's pray to a God who reveals himself through scripture and prophecy. Let's pray to a God who has decided awesome things beforehand and is working all things for our good. And as we do that, let's keep our eye on the ball that our prayers are for the reaching of a city, the great city of Nairobi and the great cities of this world that desperately need the name of Jesus because there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. As I come in for a landing, I'm gonna let Charles Spurgeon have the last word. These are his thoughts on prayer. I want to leave those with you as we land. Spurgeon says this. Indeed, the very act of prayer is a blessing. To pray is, and God let this be our experience over the coming week and weeks, to pray is, as it were, to bathe in a cool, swirling stream, and so to escape from the heat of earth's summer sun. To pray is to mount on eagle's wings above the clouds and get into the clear heaven where God dwells. To pray is to enter the treasure house of God and to gather riches out of an inexhaustible storehouse. To pray is to grasp heaven in one's arms, to embrace the deity with one's soul and to feel one's body made a temple of the Holy Spirit. Apart from the answer, prayer in itself is a blessing. To pray, my friends, is to cast off your burdens. It is to tear away your rags. It is to shake off your diseases. It is to be filled with spiritual vigor. It is to reach the highest point of Christian health. God grant us to be much in the holy art of wrestling with God in prayer. And if you agree with that, would you say, Amen and Amen.